Let's get into the Word, shall we, this morning. Welcome to our family and friends. Fantastic to have you here. So good to have you here for the Profetas and the Dennis's uh, baby dedication. Very special time for our church. And uh, I know the light hours, um, Bethany pulls you guys in all the time, so you're basically here. Uh, you know, every big event, we appreciate all that you do, slaving away for us, but great to have you as part of our, one of our services. Welcome. Let's get into the Word. Uh, today, um, we're going to be carrying on from last week, and we've been looking at the gospel in the parables, the gospel in the parables. If you were here last week, you know we spoke about uh, the prodigal son, what has been, become known, the parable that has been co- become known as the prodigal son. And today we're going to be looking at another very popular parable, the parable of the good Samaritan. Everyone knows this. Even if you were not a Christian, you weren't a follower of Jesus, if you're in Western civilization, you've probably heard about the term Samaritan. You probably don't know what it is if you are not in Christian uh, circles, but you probably would have heard that term. There's a lot of um, charity organizations called Samaritans, whatever. You know, Good Samaritan, this, whatever. There's a bunch of them. And, um, and so we're going to be looking at this amazing uh, story that has really shaped, in parts, Western civilization. Here's the thing that a lot of people would not tell you about the Bible is that the Bible is a foundation document of what Western civilization thinks. And so to understand a lot of our civilization, you need to go back to the Bible. Now, we're going away from that at lightning speed, but still the basis of it is found in the Word of God. So before we get into it, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11, or chapter 10, rather, verse 25. Before we go there, let's pray. Father, we just humble ourselves before you, and we ask that you would give us understanding, revelation. God, that um, you would speak to us in, in ways that are deeper than just words. You would change our hearts. You would change our thinking. You would change our motives. You would change our purpose. You would attract meaning. And you would transform identity. Not just have some entertainment or motivation. So we ask that you would speak deep into our hearts with the work of your Holy Spirit. You would, you would use me as your mouthpiece this morning and you you would impact the heart of all of us in the name of jesus we pray amen amen so we're going to look at this parable but we're going to look at the meta narrative what is going on around this parable because you know you need to understand the tone before you can understand the message that's why emojis are so powerful now, just say someone sent you a message, right? And they go, I'll be there soon. Smiley face, you're like, yeah, right? I'll be there soon. Frown. That's not a good meeting, right? There's, a very, there's the same words, I'll be there soon, but a very different tone. So it's really important 
when we're reading the Bible that we understand the tone, what is going on, the meta-narrative, so that the words have meaning. Am I making sense? So we're going to look at the meta-narrative, and I think just about everyone here, if you've been in church um, for a while, certainly when uh, you were in Sunday school, you would have heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right? We all know basically what it is. It was a guy who was down and out. This guy came along and helped him out, and we're going to read that. But I want to go around uh, that and look at the meta-narrative of what's going on. So let's start not at the parable, but what happened before the parable so we understand what the parable is actually about. So verse 25, on one occasion, an ex- expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So here's this teacher, this expert in the law. You know the Ten Commandments? Okay, that law plus the Levitical law, there's a lot of it. And he's an expert. He's an expert and he's standing up to test Jesus. And the question he's asking is the biggest, deepest question that anyone has ever asked. How do I receive eternal life? That's like the major question that experts asked in that day. So you've got to understand the tone here. This is, wasn't someone who was just seeking truth and it's like, Jesus, just show me, just show me. No, this is a guy who is uh, well made up. He has a, a sound philosophy of life. He's got his own perspective, and in a sense, he's approaching Jesus to test him. It's like an intellectual debate. Not among equals, because Jesus was the creator of the universe, but there was this guy who was like pretty well made up, and he's questioning Jesus, and he's asking uh, about eternal life. It's really important that we understand the tone, because Jesus treated people who are religious and thought they had it all together in a very different way to people who were just hurting and were coming to him and saying, can you just help me? It was two very different reactions. The Bible says a smoldering wick he would not put out. That is like, you know, I'm, I'm barely burning. I'm barely getting through. Jesus is not going to go boom. He, he, that's, why, that's why people love Jesus. He was embracing. But when you came to him with an attitude, you walked away going, whoa, what just hit me? Okay, so, so it's important that we understand the tone. So this is what's happening. This guy comes up and he's like try, trying to test Jesus, and, um, which is not an, uh, you know, a, a condescending thing. The people did that those days, and they, they, they wanted to understand each other's perspective. But, so Jesus' his response is, is in line with his question and how he's approaching him. In verse 26, he says, what is written in the law, Jesus says. How do you read it? Jesus points back to the law to answer this question, how do I receive eternal life? Verse uh, 27, he answered. So this man answered. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in other parts of the gospel, Jesus actually says that these are the two main commandments that all the other commandments hang on if you do those two things you will do everything else so love the lord your god and love people two things simple simples all right how do you how do you get the eternal life love god love people solve it easy all right okay now what we have here is is 28 jesus says you've answered correctly Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Easy. Just do this and you will live. Jesus and this dude, this guy, this expert of the law actually agreed that this is what we need to do. Love God, love people. Conversation over, right? Just go do that. 
Here's the problem. Those two things are very, very hard. To love people as yourself. But if you did that perfectly, if you love God and love people perfectly, apparently, Jesus says, you will have eternal life. Now, this guy, because he's a smart man, he's got a holistic perspective, he's coming up against Jesus, he, and he goes, he tries to justify himself, and he says this, well, in verse 29, we read this, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So we're starting to get into definitions. Well, what does that really mean? You know, when my kids, um, they ask me to do something like, oh, can we go in the pool? Or can we, um, uh, can we go out for dinner? And I say maybe. And what they hear is we are definitely doing that right now. And they'll be like, yeah, 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 we're going. Let's, and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get their brothers into a frenzy. Yeah, let's, let's go do. I'm like, no, no. What I said was maybe. And if I say no, what they hear is, keep asking. He might change his mind. <laughs> right? So, so my words, uh, my definition of those words are somewhat different to their definition. And... So what this guy is trying to do is wiggle his way out and go, okay, here's, here's two things I need to do to receive eternal life. And he's trying to justify himself. The only time you justify yourself is when you feel guilty, when you feel that you're not living up to that standard. And he's trying to justify and redefine what it means to look after your neighbor. Now, it's in that tone that Jesus then shares the parable of the Good Samaritan. You with me? Okay, so this is what's happening. Now we're going to get into this amazing parable that has shaped and sculpted Western Christianity. And he says this, verse 30. In reply, so Jesus is replying to a direct question and a direct set of circumstances. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. Now, Jericho was about 21 miles away from uh, Jerusalem. It's approximately like 32, 33K, something like that. And they're walking, right? That's, that's, a, tough, that's a tough gig. Walking 30, that's like from here to like the north side, right? That's a long, no, maybe around the city, somewhere. It's around there. It's a long walk. That's the point I'm trying to make. And so people would make this walk, and it was called the, like the path of blood because um, people would often get, uh, you know, robbed and things like that. And there were caves around the place that uh, bandits used to hang out in. And so this, this actually happened. And so Jesus is using real life uh, circumstances to try and explain a story. This is a parable. It's not real. It didn't really happen. It's a story. But stories in the Jewish perspective were not just stories. They were, actually, uh, they, they were actually meant to shape our perception, our understanding of some real deep truth. We're going to get there. So here he is. You've got this man going over here uh, from, from Jerusalem to uh, Jericho. And he's beaten half dead. They stripped him. They took everything. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man and he passed by on the other side. Now, the priest is obviously the epitome of religious thinking and religious religiosity. And if there was anyone that would know what these two laws were or what should be the two laws to achieve eternal life would be this dude. But what does he do? He walks on the other side. So too a Levite. Now, a Levite is a tribe of priests. The priest came from the tribe of Levites. So the priests were up here, and, you know, the, the Levites were the second level, if you like. 
And the Levite, when the Levite came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, the Samaritan, we've got to stop there. The Samaritan to the Jews was a cuss word. Like, you know, you know someone does something like, don't be a Samaritan, okay? That's kind of how it was because they were a different race of people and, like, they were, inter- they were Jews that were intermarried with other, other ethnicities, and so they were, had, like, you know, a mix, and they, you know, they had some rivalry, you know, like, you know, distant family members that hate each other, that sort of rivalry. They literally hated each other. Like, they would not go to Samaria. The Samaritans would not come to, to, to Jerusalem. They, the Samarit- there's some historical stuff, but basically it's what we would call systemic racism. They hated each other. Remember that time when Jesus went and hung out with that lady at the well? She said, how is it that you, a Jewish man, are talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Right? That doesn't happen. So they hate each other. They are actually enemies. And, and this Samaritan, the enemy, has pity on this guy when the priest and the Levite didn't. And the Samaritan, look, look at what he does. He went to him. And bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, an ancient disinfectant. When he put the man on his own donkey. Remember, this is a dangerous place. The guy got robbed. This guy is taking a chance on him, a stranger who he doesn't know, who hates him. And he apparently hates too. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Then the next day he took two denarii. And gave them to the innkeeper. Now, a denarii was a day's wages. So he took two days' wages for one night, okay? And then he says, look after him, he said, and I will return. I will reimburse you for any extra expense. Now, that is a recipe for extortion. You know what these innkeepers are like on the highway, all right? So, so he's opening himself up like two denarii a night, two days' wages for one night. He's opening himself up to extortion. And that's where the parable ends. And then Jesus turns to this young guy, or this guy, I don't know if he's young, could be old. But in in verse uh, 36, he says, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The question, how do I receive the eternal life? The answer Love God, love people. The justification, no justification. (laughs) You don't redefine it. Jesus goes parabolic. He goes all the way out to the extreme. Yeah, you do it for your enemies. Now, here's the thing. When a Jewish person tells a story, uh, the story is not just to have a conclusion. It's to make you think deeply about who you are, reality, who God is, and come to some uh, thoughts about how you are to act. You know, I, I watch, I, I like animations. Anyone like animations in the house, right? I'll watch them with my kids. Cars 2, I basically know off by heart. Um, you know, I'm sick of that movie. Um, and I, I, you know, the kids watch, uh, you know, uh, episodes. Kung Fu Panda now is on Netflix. I'm just helping Netflix out. Um, uh, they, they, they do little episodes and, you know, Lego. They, the kids watch this. And there's, the story is always like, you know, there's a, there's a problem, and then there's a solution, and generally it, it's a feel-good solution. I hate movies where the main character dies at the end. Like, what's up with that? 
I didn't come to watch a movie and be miserable at the end of it. I want a happy ending, okay? I know some of you, you know, what? Okay, you don't mind it. But anyway, but the point of a story is to have a conclusion, not for parables. The point of the story is to actually make you think deeply. Who am I? Who is God? How am I approaching God? What is the gospel? Now, I hope that you start using this, this parable to think the same sort of things, but I want to give you a couple of tools to make you, to help you sculpt so that the, the Holy Spirit can sculpt your heart, could sculpt your future, could, could sculpt your destiny, because when you hear a story, it becomes part of you. It becomes part of who you think. It becomes part of what you propagate. It becomes part of your culture and your civilization that you propagate. That's why it's so important that each of us live according to our convictions and who we are because that shapes our country. So a couple of things to think about. Who in the world loves like this? Think about it. Who loves like this Samaritan loves? This level of love it's not the normal human experience, is it? Is it? Like, I mean, if someone was struggling in your family, you would, you would give anything. You would drop anything. But how about a stranger? How about an enemy? Hey, an enemy. See, in Australia, we don't really have, you know, geographic enemies. Like, you know, multi I look around, and all colors of the rainbow. It's fantastic. Every color is, you know, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. We're just, we're just very, um, we're very multicultural in Australia, but I, I used to go to uh, school with a guy who came from a particular war-torn country, and we were really good friends, and there were people on the other side, you know, just a few kilometers over there, away from him, that, that, were, that were of a different race. Um, they looked exactly the same, they spoke a different language, they had a different religion. And, you know, he was in Australia. He was second-generation Aussie, and, you know, he was far removed from that, and he didn't have those sort of hostilities, but his parents would tell him stories about the atrocities that those people did to them. And it was hard for them to let go in a new country, in a new place. You know, those people didn't hurt our people. You know, that was done generations ago, but it was hard. They had enemies. Now, with those sort of enemies that goes back generations, atrocities that have been done on either side, could we then step up and love them like we would our loved ones? Who does that? Do you do that? I don't do that. Is that the point that Jesus is pointing out? That it's not possible to fully comply with the law? To love your, your neighbors as yourself completely? Does anyone want to say, yeah, oh, I do that. I do it all the time. If you did those two things, you'd be perfect. The second thing to help us, uh, you know, sculpt our thinking with respect to this, um, this parable. Jesus always points to the heart and not just the law. What do I mean by that? Jesus points to the heart of the matter and not just the law of the matter. The cornerstone of our civilization, of our judicial system is love your neighbor as yourself. It is. We all come like the Commonwealth nations and the Western world come from uh, the judicial system anyway, from English common law. The English system comes from the biblical worldview. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know why it's illegal to speed? It's not so you'll get a fine, right? It's so it might hurt someone, 
right? That's, that's the cornerstone of why we do what we do. That's the cornerstone of the Ten Commandments. It's not so you don't get in trouble per se, even though some of you might have some you know, uh, arguments as to what tickets are really about. But anyway, that's a different point. But the point of our law is, so to, is to protect people, is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the point of it. But when we just act in accordance with the law, so we don't get in trouble, we're missing the spirit of the law. Are you with me? Am I losing someone? And so Jesus will always point to the spirit of the law, not just the law. He said, you heard it said, do not murder. That's law. But I tell you, if you even hate a brother in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. See what he's doing? He's going away from the law to the intent of it. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. It's going away from just the law to something much, much deeper. Who are you as a person? This is deep. We're getting deep here. And so we're asking the question, what does it mean? Or, or how do I receive eternal life? And Jesus says, these, well, these two laws, the, the, the expert and Jesus agree on that. But Jesus is trying to point to something much deeper. You don't actually do what you say, what you affirm. I would go further. You can't do it. The normal human experience, if you look at history, is not one of love and joy and peace and harmony. It's the opposite. Now, the third thing to help us with our thinking around this scripture is to ask yourself, who am I in that story? Who am I? Who do I represent? Now, I'm a pastor. I'm a senior pastor. And if you look at who I would be in that story, it would probably be the priest, which is not a great thing. <laughs> but we're all in church today, so you're all, you know, somewhat, you know, of religious people, shall we say. And the question is, is are we just here for the law? Are we here in our heart? Are we here to appease our conscience? Or are we here to be transformed by the work of Jesus Christ? Like, are we truly followers of Jesus? Where we would give and love sacrificially, even though it's not perfect? Or are we just, I don't want to get in trouble. I just want to do enough to get in heaven. Like the mentality, Jesus is just breaking down. The meta-narrative of Jesus' ministry was something so different than just a moral code. We've got to understand that. It was a transformation of humanity, one person at a time, to transform community, to transform nations, to transform the world. It was meant to go viral, and it did. And in part, that's why we sit here. It's deep. This, these, 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 these stories by the creator of the universe are so deep. Now, this question is, maybe you identify more with that guy who has been a bit beat up, left for dead. In fact, here's, here's, here's the truth. We've all been beat up, haven't we? We are all in need of help, or we at least have been at some point in our lives. For someone external to come in and to pick us up, for God to come in and to lift us up. This is a place of hope. 
This is a place, this is like a hospital. This is a place where people come when they're hurting and broken. And hopefully, I pray that hopefully each one of you are encouraged today. You're lifted up. You're brought up in our worship in and encountering people that you are taking from, from if you're feeling beat up right now, what's going on in your life, and we all have. This is part of the human experience. This is reality. When, this one thing I'm, I'm sure that they don't teach um, enough of in schools is history. Now, when I was in high school, history was the most boring thing. I wasn't interested in it, interested in it at all. Like, you know, and I, I wanted to... You know, well, no, I wanted to, but they wanted to teach me, you know, the mathematics and English were all very important. I want my kids to be strong in the three R's, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic. Some of you didn't get that. Carry on. But here's the thing. When you look at human history, what you, do, what you see is that a bunch of people that are beaten up, hurting. Now, the question is, who is the Samaritan in this, in this story? Who is the Samaritan? Who is the one that was ideal that would go all the way, that would do anything, that would open himself up to unfair treatment, extortion? Who is this? When you look through scripture, you can't say that that was Abraham, one of the patriarchs. Abraham was willing to, to give his wife away to save his skin. You know that? It wasn't his, his grandson, Jacob, who then became Israel, the father of the nation, that then Jesus came from. Like Israel cheated his brother out of his birthright. His, his name actually means cheat. It wasn't David. He wasn't a perfect guy. He stole another man's wife and organized his murder. Who is the perfect one? There's only one in Scripture who is perfect. Jesus Christ himself. The one who left his his, his, the robes of divinity that stepped down into humanity, that lived a life, a perfect life that we could never live, and came down and lifted us up like, we, he, like that Samaritan did to this broken man, to set him up at great cost to what? Himself. The depth of the story Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says, Who being in very nature God, this is talking about Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see the extravagance? You see the laying down? You see the sacrifice? Jesus' narrative was to bring hope, peace, transformation to the world through a transformed heart not obedience to the lord that had all been already been tried it failed but through the work of jesus christ and every encounter was an opportunity to actually point people back to the heart of the issue who are you where's your identity coming from what is the purpose now we through the benefit of hindsight and having the whole scripture uh, particularly Romans, can, can crystallize the work and the ministry of Jesus. And Paul did, and I want to read a, a particular scripture that kind of shows what Jesus' ministry was about. It's Romans chapter, chapter 3, verse 21. And we're going to end with this. But now apart from the law, all right, apart from the law, the righteousness... 
that is us being right with God has been made known. Us being right with God has been made known apart from the law. Because we have all done what is wrong. No one here would be in their right mind and say, I've been perfect my whole life. I have never hurt anyone. I've never done anything wrong. I've never lied. I've never hated anyone in my heart. I've never lusted in my heart. No one's going to say that. We have not fully loved God and loved people absolutely. Completely, 100%. But there's good news that righteousness and being right with God, eternal life, the original question, comes from apart from the law. It's not through the law. To which the prophets and the law testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. No difference between Jew and Samaritan. Jew or Australian. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified. Remember, the guy was trying to justify. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. That could really be our text. Now, sure, it's a moral story about how we should treat our neighbor, but Jesus is pointing to something much deeper when you understand the meta-narrative of who he's talking to and his ministry. See, here it is. Here's the clincher. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we are all forgiven. We're all set free from all our guilt so we can walk in, the, in Jesus Christ in freedom, without shame, with purpose, with destiny. Now, that's true. But believe me, I've been walking with Jesus all my life, and every time I get a glimpse of the gospel, it transforms my heart all over again. And that's the point of the story, that we would see our need for Jesus Christ. Can I get Aaron on the keys as we finish up this morning? I don't know where you're at. I don't don't know everyone here. I'm sure there are people over here that are saying, I think I want to follow God. I'm not sure if it's for me. Or maybe you've been to church your whole life. And you've been like that expert of the law who's just trying to achieve, trying, trying to justify ourselves. Do enough, be enough, change enough. It's not what God is after. He's after your heart that His Word would sculpt who you are, change you, your identity, to understand that your greatest efforts to be good will not get you there. It is only by the work of His grace that brings transforming power, that helps you, that helps your family, that helps your community. Have a sense of people here that are just trying so hard and they don't... I hear I had a great friend once and he's like, no, I can't come to church. The church would burn down. I understand what he was trying to say, but I'm like, bro, you got it the wrong way around. Don't approach God as with a tone of, I've got it together. No, don't do that. Come to him as we read this morning, as a little child. God, I'm in need. God, I need you. God, I've sinned. The full weight of the wrath of God is, is just upon me for my sin. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But thank you for the grace and righteousness through Christ Jesus. And if that's you this morning, 
and you're saying, yeah, I want to take a step towards Jesus. I just want every head to bow, every eye to close, no one looking around. This is an opportunity for you to respond. I want you to do two things. I want you to raise your hand when I, when I say so, and I want to find you after church, and I want to pray with you. That's it. Okay. If that's you and you're saying, yeah, I'm taking a step towards Jesus. I know he's calling me. I know he's calling for me for transformation. I, I don't live up to that standard. None of us do. I don't. I rely upon the grace of God. But if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right now. Put it right, don't put it down until I see it. Is anyone here saying, yeah, I'm ready to follow Jesus? I want to just give you a moment more. They're all saying, yeah, I, 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 I've been impacted. I know, I know something now that I didn't know before. Awesome. Father, we come before you. I thank you, God, that you didn't call this room to be a room full of good people. You called this room to be a room full of real people, honest people, flaws and all, looking to our Savior, our Lord, our discipler, to follow, to make sense of life, to work out complex things to understand how to live in a modern world, to live right, but also acknowledge the struggle. And I pray that you people that are burdened with the law would be set free. The people that misunderstand grace, Lord, as a permission to do whatever uh, they like would be set free that we would live as people of destiny, of purpose, being sculpted and changed and transformed and sculpting and changing and transforming and being a catalyst in our world because change people, change people. Transform people, transform people. People who experience love, express love. People who experience peace, bring peace. Hurt people, hurt people, but that's not where the story ends. We just thank you for your grace. I want to give you a moment, just a quietness and silence between you and God to work out where you're at.
God, we bring you honor. We bring you praise, bring you glory, bring you thanks. Your message of the gospel is so deep, so transformative that we could spend a lifetime looking at it and only scratch the surface. I thank you for the people in the house this morning. Thank you for the celebration, the fun, the, the good times. Pray for those who are going through tough times as well right now. You know who they are. You lift them up, motivate them. Pray that your word would be challenging, also informative, so we may live wise lives in a complex world. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Hey, don't leave this place without... Uh, being prayed for. If you have something that you want us to pray for, we have our elders that will be at the front. Come up the front. We'll, we'll pray for you. For the rest of us, if you're new here, we got free coffee at the back. Don't leave this place without getting that coffee, having a chat. So good to have you here this morning. And uh, we've got so much happening during the week on men's grow groups and ladies' grow groups and youth and stuff. If you want to know anything about that, just ask anyone with a lanyard on, one of our host team, myself, one of our leaders. We'd love to share with you. Or you can check it out on our website, the Coming Up page. Be blessed. Have a great week. And we'll see you next Sunday.